You are listening to the Therefore I Geek podcast, episode 107. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Therefore I Geek. We've got an all-girl cast today. I'm Tracy. I'm Becky. I'm the girl, otherwise known as Donnell and the dude's girlfriend. Now you all know my name. <laughs> there and we today go. We are, yeah. <laughs> Finally, we actually have, and you know what? That's actually very fitting because he is the man of many names. So you have to have a lot of names as well. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I can trust me. I've got a very overactive imagination. Just, just, just wait. <laughs> There's a reason you guys are perfect for each other. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. I'm shaking my head now. I know you guys can't see that, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> so we are talking today about the brand new live action Beauty and the Beast from Disney starring Emma Watson and some guy with long hair <laughs> that was mostly furry for most of the movie. So I didn't really yeah. care. And I'd like to start with some initial impressions. What did you think of the movie, Donnell? My initial impression, I I just have to go with it, was okay. I, I wasn't impressed and I kind of was more upset when I left the movie theater. I've, I've calmed down, had some more thoughts, time to think of it, but I was kind of left the theater going really why like ugh. actually this this is how i thought i was so disappointed i actually went out and was like i am buying the cartoon because i feel <laughs> i need to watch that so, <laughs> in fact it's funny i actually turned to to dude and was like i need to go get the cartoon he's like i'm not buying that i didn't say I had to i'm gonna go buy it. we're going now <laughs> okay for my part i think i was a lot less upset about it I have loved, I mean, that's my favorite Disney movie. So I went in, I had actually gotten a text at 11 o'clock at night, the night before we went to go see it from one of my friends who has a six-year-old boy and a three-year-old girl who's a princess. And she was like, it is magical. I don't know if this is on your agenda for this weekend, but given that it's you, it probably is. You need to go see it right now. It's amazing. Drop everything. And I was like, okay, I will take that under advisement. All right. Um, knowing that I was going to go see it the next day. And I went in thinking that it, there was no way it could live up to the original, although the trailer made me cry and the trailer made Kurt cry. Wow. Which wow. is, <laughs> I know, right? I, I, I showed it to him because I had se I'd seen it and I had showed it to him before and I talked about how excited I was. And then literally the day that we were supposed to go see it, he goes, what are we watching again? And I'm like, the live action of Beauty and the Beast. And he goes, they're making that? And I'm like, <laughs> I have made you watch every teaser. You don't understand. I made you watch the music video. And then wow. I, so I immediately put the trailer on the TV and we're watching it. And I get to the end and of course I'm bawling because I always cry. And I look <laughs> over and like his eyes are wet and he's like wiping away, very like pretending to scratch an itch <laughs> on the corner of his eye. And I'm like, <gasps> you are crying. And he's like, I always cry at love stories. I'm like, no, you don't. You are crying right now, though. So I went in kind of knowing that I love the trailers and then also kind of expecting to be disappointed. And I I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't thrilled. I thought that there were, there were things that could be changed. But overall, I'll probably buy it. That's a pretty good <laughs> indicator of how I felt about it. I don't think it's going to replace the original, though. So. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say it's funny because Joseph actually I think was a lot kinder to me because, like, I loved this movie. Like, this is like he kind of gave the comparison that like this is a girl's Godzilla. 
So like him as a guy. <laughs> that dude would say yes. So he was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, he was like, he was like, fine. He like, it's not his kind of movie. So versus I was like, but but this is my child. <laughs> See, Andrew didn't even go with me. <laughs> I went by myself, which was fine. Um, so. What did you think of it? So, it's your re- I... so for those who don't know, Becky is our resident Disney expert. She has been. How many times have you been to, Dis- to Disney oh, World? I... Or Disneyland. Uh, I can't remember which. Disney place. World's in Florida. Land is in California. I've been to both. Uh, yeah, I I couldn't even tell you how many times I've been. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous amount. Although I haven't been in almost two years. Ah. Has it really been that long? Yeah, it was right after we got engaged. And, you know, life has happened since then, so we haven't (laughs) been able to go. But anyways, yeah, I... Okay, well, I cried, and I will be buying the movie. But for me, that's not an indicator (laughs) of whether it was good or not. I buy every Disney movie. I've bought movies that I haven't seen just because they're Disney, because I'm that person. And I... I cried at the end so badly, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. But happy tears, hap- or... happy tears. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, happy tears at the end when everybody transforms and like, yay! I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. Like, it's a good movie. It's it's fine. It's the original was great, and this is not great. There are I there are a lot of problems that I have with it, but there are a lot of great things in it. Yes. But a lot of mixed emotions. And I'm probably gonna get shot for saying this. I don't think it should have been a musical. I know, yeah, I know a lot of people are gonna <laughs> I'm bringing I, I my should... I'm bringing my own controversy to this, but um... <laughs> Well, I will say, Becky, now that you mention it, I kind of actually agree with you. It might have been better if it was not a musical. I, I kind of, I could see where, I could see where you're coming from for that. Yeah, it was a lot harder to see the editing that makes a musical work in a live action version. And we'll we'll talk about the music in a little bit, but I think I see where you're coming from there, and I don't know that I disagree. I don't know that I disagree. So really quickly, let's break down a couple of the elements so we can talk about the individual things, and then we'll cover a full final impression at the end. The cast. So we've got Emma Watson. We've got Ewan McGregor. We've got Ian McKellen. There is a whole host of really cool people here. Um, I've actually got IMDb pulled up here. And of course, if you go to the IMDb website right now, Beauty and the Beast has completely taken it over. Yep. <laughs> so, which, I mean, that's totally fine. So, so let's talk about, well, especially let's start with Emma Watson. Cause I mean, she's got the, she's the titular character. Mm-hmm. Beauty. Yep. Belle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> how did she do? <laughs> to be honest, you know, she wasn't awful, but I kind of feel like, you know, she just, played Hermione. She was Emma Watson to me. She didn't she didn't feel like a Belle to me. I, I mean, I don't think she was completely horrible, but I I don't know. I don't feel like she stood out to me. Okay. As a character. I what like I I liked her. I didn't um now you guys may not have may not be getting all the updates I get because I do a lot of musical theater. So on my Facebook feed, there's a lot of articles about how she shouldn't be doing it. She can't sing. Auto-tune is horrible. And she was not, she was not that bad. And her singing was not that bad. 
and the auto tune yeah. was you could tell it was you could tell it was studio and yeah. then dubbed in but but so what yeah I mean, the first one was cg was uh animated yeah <laughs> also yeah. dubbed yeah, um yeah. i mean i'm not knocking her voice i mean she can sing i mean but it, is she a powerful singing voice not no. really <laughs> to me i felt there were sometimes it was like you know that should have been really a powerful note that she hit but she just she didn't and so it kind of reminded me of and I apologize to any fans, uh, Les Mis. And when he, like, it reminded me of Hugh Jackman performing as the lead character. He could sing, but there were some notes it just, he couldn't hit. So that's kind of where I was like, eh, okay. I mean, she sings. Okay. Yeah. And I think, and she, but she did fine. You know, she's no Paige O'Hara, who was the original voice of, um, of Belle. But, yes. but she did fine. I think, I don't think stunt casting was necessary because it's Beauty and the Beast. It was gonna sell out. It's gonna do do well regardless. I don't think they needed her to be yep. Belle. Yeah. They could have found somebody who could have done mm-hmm. the triple threat. But she it was she was good. She was fine. I don't have a problem with her in that role. Um I kind of <laughs> I was gonna say I kind of almost wonder if if they actually went with the no name actress if it might have if a no name might have done better than Emma Watson that's what I've been kind of wondering instead instead of her so but I mean I'm not saying Emma Watson was horrible I mean she was she was just okay yeah overall the one thing that I had to fault was that the prostitutes I'm assuming they were prostitutes in the town. Um, <laughs> Uh, prettier than she was by French standards. I mean, she's lovely in in modern America. She is absolutely a stunningly beautiful young woman. But in France, that wouldn't have been considered beautiful. It it wasn't she she doesn't have I mean, I always think the one that really gets me in this line is old school England, like Jane mm-hmm. Austen's England late 1800s and how they liked they like peaches and cream complexions. Mm-hmm. We think that's awful. We would way right. rather have a tan person. But that yeah. that was what they considered beautiful. And and to a similar extent, I looked at this, and especially in the initial singing as, as she walks through the town, she wants more than this provincial life, which is kind of an asshole thing to say to people <laughs> in the in the yeah. town. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that aside, I everybody was so obsessed with her. And I thought, you know, she blends right in. She She, she doesn't stand out in this scene she doesn't look like the most beautiful girl in town as opposed to Belle in the original so that was the one moment where I was like really everyone's obsessed with this girl yeah I yeah I actually I actually felt the opposite way yes she she looks very different from everybody and I felt like they were going out of their way to make the women the other women in town not attractive by modern day standards, where as you're right, they would have been considered attractive back in, you know, the chronist, not chronistic, chronistic, I don't know, um, back in the time period and in France. But they're trying to bring Beauty and the Beast into a modern age and to try to convince an audience at large that, you know, she's that the way Emma Watson looks is not attractive and the way that these other women look is attractive, that would have been too complicated. So let's just keep it with modern standards of beauty. That's how I was interpreting it. And that's fair. Yeah. That is absolutely fair. Yeah. Uh, what about the other folks? What about the Beast? So the Beast was played by Dan Stevens, who is a bit of a no-name unless you guys know something I don't know. 
well, I Downton I Abbey. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Legion. I know him from Legion. It's a new uh, FX series, and it's actually kind of a. I want to make sure I say this right. It's kind of their version of X Men. So he plays the lead character, and as the lead character, it's like he's schizophrenic or insane, but this incredibly power mute, powerful mutant. So that's where I know him from. Seeing him on the screen, I was like, wait, he's sane. Oh, I think I kind of like him insane a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him in Downton Abbey. I'm not a huge Downton Abbey follower, but um, I watched like the first season and mm-hmm. um, and he's in that. And, you know, he's good. But as far as his performance as the Beast, I I really liked his performance, but I hated the animation of the Beast. <laughs> and I know oh, we're going to talk I'm about right the there. CGI, but and I don't know how to reconcile those two thoughts. But <laughs> like I, I thought the the facial expressions and and everything, which are him. I mean, he acted them out, and then later it was animated. So I thought, and and I know he gave two performances. He gave the neck up performance that they animated, and the neck down performance that they animated. And I thought his neck up performance was great, but then a lot of it was lost in animation form. But I really liked him overall. Yeah, and you know what? I will say this is this was kind of a weird thing because I nudged Kurt in the ribs when he transformed into the the young prince again at the end, and I looked at Kurt and I was like, he looks like dude. <laughs> <laughs> he had the long hair and the kind of um, very aquiline facial features, and I was like, Donnell must be loving this movie right now because he looks like dude. Well, um, well, t- to be honest, dude is a little bit more broader than I think that actor is. <laughs> so I, I, I think you're right, Becky. I liked, especially towards maybe the second act of the mm-hmm. movie. I was starting to really say, wow, this guy's doing a really great job with kind of a crappy, he's kind of got a crappy gig to work with and he's doing pretty well. And I I mean, I, I appreciate that part. Um, And we will talk about the way that he looked and the way that the beat, the beast character looked and some of the other ones too. I I will have to say Disney did a nice little touch with beast as in, I did kind of appreciate the fact that they made him someone who actually liked books, someone who could relate to Belle. And, And I mean, that that was that was great, but as far as like the CG and stuff, it just in the original. I don't get too much into it, but the one thing that I think the CG really hurt is that didn't make the beast feel very intimidating. It's it's kind of like it would have almost been better if they did with what they did like in Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and did kind of special tricks with the camera to make him look bigger or just had maybe yeah. a mask or something instead. Just yeah, the CG really took away from from the experience and just. Yeah, probably the his performance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, then the other main one that I want to talk about is Luke Evans in the role of Gaston, <laughs> which, in my personal opinion, I think he really stole this movie because, as much as Emma Watson was fairly mediocre in her role and the CGI sort of took away from Dan Stevens' performance, I thought Luke Evans was phenomenal as Gaston. What did you guys think? I, to be honest, I thought the sporting, the, most of the supporting cast did a fantastic job. I mean, Luke Evans was great for Gaston. Would I have liked him to be a little bit muscular? Yeah, but to be honest, I was enjoying his performance and how he sung and even the way that him and Josh, hopefully I get this last name right, Josh Gad were yep. performing yep. <laughs> and playing off each other. I just, I enjoyed that. In fact, when they came on the screen, I was like, oh, I can... I'm going to enjoy this moment right now. I kind of like this. <laughs> I mean, even, 
I even love it when they go into the song about, you know, Gaston being the greatest and, and Lafoe is sitting there paying people to to um, <laughs> make Gaston sound so great and cheer him up. <laughs> yeah. I I think Gaston and LeFou were my favorite characters in this. And I think part of it is they were slightly different. LeFou in particular was different than the original but they had more dialogue, more unique dialogue that wasn't taken straight from the animated film. So in that regard, they didn't have to, they were they were based off of the animated film, but they didn't have yeah. to like follow their animated counterparts as closely as Emma Watson. I feel like 85% of her dialogue was taken straight from the movie and she yeah. was just trying to yeah. be the Belle animated bell but yeah i really enjoyed luke evans and josh gad i i thought they definitely stole the movie <laughs> in the animated version i always got the very distinct impression that lufu was in fact had a crush on on gaston <laughs> and i think that they were a little more they were never explicit sorry controversialists but that i think that that impression was deepened in this film what were you going to say donnell I was going to say, you know, to be honest, the fact that they made LeFou gay, I think only added to it and just made them so much more. It was, they just made the story so much richer and so much better because, you know, Josh Gad really played it up and, you know, Luke Evans just kind of went with it like, oh yeah, I've got this guy who does whatever I want and makes me feel good. And it, it just made the story better. And that's why I feel like the two of them just stole the movie. And it was like, I was excited when they got onto the screen. I was like, what are they going to do next? Yeah. Where are they going to take yeah. this? I just yeah. wish I wish that it hadn't been revealed that LeFou had been that LeFou was now gay before the movie came out because I wish I had gone into the movie without having any preconceived notions about what his character was going to be because it was a very subtle performance. If you didn't know that and I have terrible gaydar despite doing musical theater, <laughs> but you, you know, you might say, "Oh, this guy's a little little off or you know you might have seems very interesting Gaston right must be best buddies right yeah. exactly you you might have some thoughts that maybe he is but to to come out and say it before the movie actually comes out and then ruin everybody's ability yeah, to perceive movie waiting for him to kiss somebody right I was like so they're gonna kiss they said they said a distinctly gay moment I'm waiting for this kiss when is this and then at the very end I'm like <laughs> Oh, yeah. He dances uh, yeah, with a guy for two seconds. <laughs> yeah. And gives, you know, that interested. Oh, yeah. You. Yeah. Yes. Very distinctly gay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> not but what I, I was expecting. Not what I was waiting for. I was like, you know, sort of holding my breath for this moment. And to your point, Danelle, I don't necessarily think that they made LeFou gay. Like I said, I got the distinct impression from the original that he was interested in Gaston. So I don't. I, I also appreciate because rather than we're bringing everything into modern day, trying to add in, and I know comics has done this too, trying to add in gay characters, rather than trying to go and like force somebody to now be gay, they just took yep. a character that already was kind of inclined that way and and made it and just slightly more like explicit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. As opposed to say making Maurice realize that in his old age, you know, he's always been into guys. Right. Which would I think put everyone on edge and and not really added to the story at all. Yeah, I, I think they did a really great job. And while we're talking about diversity, let's also talk about racial diversity, which is this is one of the I, I wouldn't it's not the first diverse movie for Disney, but I would say in the last five years they've made a concerted effort to avoid f completely white films. 
um, which is really nice. And I, I think I was telling, I was mentioning to Becky right before we started recording that the in the ver- initial opening scene in the ballroom uh, before the prince gets turned into a beast, I looked at it and I thought, oh no, this period in, in France would not have had black women in ball gowns yes. on the dance floor. And then all of a sudden yes. I was like, Tracy, it's fantasy. It can be whatever it wants to be. And at that point I settled down and I was able to enjoy the rest of the movie. What did you guys think about the diversity? Well, I I went into it knowing knowing that it was going to be a diverse, um, slightly colorblind casting movie. One of the people that I was most excited about being in the movie was Audra McDonald, who played uh, oh, garderobe. Yes. The wardrobe who, God, Audra McDonald is like musical theater, living legend. She's just, she's so perfect. And I was glad that they expanded that role for her too, because in the uh, stage musical, the wardrobe has um, a much bigger part to play than in the original animated film. And so I knew Audra McDonald was going to play a big part. I knew that uh, Gugu, possibly, she... (laughs) <laughs> who plays plumet the the feather duster i yeah i'm not even going to attempt to pronounce her last name i'm sorry <laughs> but she's a brilliant actress as as well so i thought that's appropriate it you know they're making belle is not beautiful by that era of francis standards mm-hmm. we're we're making this modern we're just kind of ignoring <laughs> certain aspects of historical accuracy and and so if you're gonna ignore certain aspects of historical accuracy why not ignore race too (laughs) yeah and it really works out well because and i'm gonna just jump to the idea of disney changing its image right now so Mm -hmm. disney has finally 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 recognizing that they've been pandering, they've been catering to a very specific audience and they're really, they've been leaving a lot of of audience members out in the cold completely, not casting them, not showing them. Um, I think the best that we had for a long time was Pocahontas. Well, I mean, we did have Lilo and Stitch. I mean, that was very much, I mean, it was about Hawaiians. I mean, I think the only thing I would have changed is that in the introduction when they were telling the story, if they just said in a kingdom far away and not put France in there, I think it would have made it, like, I wouldn't have been spending the time thinking, well, you know, technically this wouldn't have been the case in France, and we're ignoring it. Well, they actually have the word France in a lyric in one of the most popular songs for the movie. I don't know that they could have gotten away with with well, things somewhere else. Well, I think I think it would have like in the original introduction, they don't include where it's from. So you're kind of left with this like this kingdom somewhere. And yeah, it's kind of hinted very much that it's France, but it's not flat out saying this is France. Well, no, guess, and, and they actually say that. <laughs> it's probably me being picky. I really didn't mind the different cast and the different ethnic oh. My brain is not going to work right now. <laughs> I didn't mind the diversity in cast. That was fun. Everyone was great. It was great to see. That's just my own personal, like, you just should have left out France in the introduction. Just just should have left it out. Um, I don't. I mean, the the original fairy tale, I think, does take place in France. And in the mm-hmm. in the original animated, they do. They do reference France. I th- well, 
I, I know that much. I mean, when Belle comes out after they do the narrative in the beginning, she's like, bonjour, bonjour. Yeah, that's definitely French. And I, I feel well, it's there's just actually a fly. lyric in the Be Our Guest song that says, after yeah. all, miss, this is France. Yeah. So I, I yeah. don't know that you can get away, f- away from that. <laughs> um, yes, you are right. Charles Perrault's original story is set in France and he is French. So while, while we're talking about Charles Perrault really quickly, there was a moment from the original fairy tale that did not make it well, it, it, it's sort of referenced in the animated version, but I think it's more clear in this version, which is the moment in which Belle convinces her horse, Philippe, to stand still in the presence of the beast and allow him to touch, to allow the beast mm-hmm. to touch him, which is a huge moment in the original fairy tale. And there's another book by Robin McKinley called Beauty. And it's a retelling of that story that is a little bit more, it's it's a little more faithful to the original story than of course the Disney version. Um, but that moment makes it into her story as well. So that, as, as soon as that happened on screen, I was like, ah! the fairy tale person inside me got really, really excited. So while we were talking about that, I did want to mention there were a few moments in that, in the, this movie that I was like, yes, somebody read the original fairy tale before yeah. they actually did this. And I was so excited about that. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about, let's jump right into added story elements, the added songs, and then how that compares to the original and whether this was a good idea or a bad idea. There's quite a bit of added element to this story. Mm -hmm. Um, We see the background to Belle and Maurice's need to get out of Paris. We see a bunch of new songs, a little bit more of East's backstory and a little bit more of what made him tick, a little more time of Belle and the Beast talking about books and enjoying them together among other things so what did you think of the added content was there anything that stood out and was there anything that you really disliked i will say that the the fact that the beast got his own song that was great i mean you kind of got to see him be more sad but felt like they were doing something from les mis like i even turned to joseph i was like that song was that song from les mis and he was like no no it wasn't but he got the same impression. So it was kind of like, well, I mean, it's great he got his own song, but I don't necessarily know that it did anything to add to the story. I haven't seen the stage version, so I don't know if any songs were taken from the stage. So See, this, I, is I, a moment, this is a moment I can answer Becky. this question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, good. No, but yes, there's... Two of my favorite Beauty and the Beast songs are from the stage musical, one of them being Home, which is a song that Belle sings right after she is trapped in the castle. And that actually did make, she didn't sing that song, but it did make an appearance after she arrives at the castle and after she arrives in her bedroom, they do play that song in the background of the music. So Ah. So yeah, as soon as I heard that, I was like, ooh, because that's one of my favorite songs. And then my other favorite song from the musical is the Beast song, If I Can't Love Her, which is just a gorgeous love song. And so when he started singing his song at the end of this movie, I was getting a little upset because I was like, it's not as good as If I Can't Love Her. (laughs) I, I ended up liking it. It's still not as good as... The musical, but I, I liked it. And part of my issue is with the added content is I, I wish a lot more of it had been added to the beginning because I felt like the beginning was just a shot for shot remake mm-hmm. of the yeah. animated film. And I was I was like, I didn't come here for the animated film has its place. You're going to make a new movie, make a new movie. And I felt like they were just trying yeah. to cram everything into the beginning and force these songs 
on us. And well, so they were, I think, trying to set up some credibility. Like we're allowed to make this because look at how much we are adhering to the original. You love that. You're totally going to love this. But you're right. It set me up for a little bit of sadness when they did add stuff. And I was like, it doesn't. It's not as good. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking about that in the back of my mind. I'm like, I kept comparing it to the original. And I was I was like, you know, that this is not a good sign that I keep just comparing it to the original. I, I, I really wanted them to take it and make it their own story. And the and, new songs, unfortunately, didn't do it. <laughs> well, like, oh. I, I loved almost all of the new content with the exception. I always hate new songs in, in musical movies because they're just blatantly going for the Oscar for best original best song. song because they yep. cannot <laughs> use a song that had already been written for a mm-hmm. previous production, which is one of the reasons I really appreciated the Into the Woods movie adaptation last year or two years ago because they wrote a new song and then they decided it wasn't working and so they cut it. And oh, and I nice. yeah and kind I I appreciated it. A legitimate cast. So, but here's here's <laughs> yeah. the funny thing about um, the added songs. So the original animated film was nominated for three best song Oscars. And I believe that there are three new songs in this movie. <laughs> and so I'm like, are you going for the same record? Like, what's that about? I liked the Beast song. The other songs were okay. But yeah, but as far as the non-new musical content, um, I really liked the additions to the story. I liked that the Beast read because it makes sense. He's a prince. He's educated. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. been here forever. And it helps justify why Belle falls in love with him. She's been around yeah. uneducated people. And, mm-hmm. oh, here's somebody who I can talk to. Yeah, yeah. It's also, it. it's it's easier to believe that someone who loves books will fall in love with her reading him poetry. Right. An uneducated person or someone <laughs> who doesn't read doesn't like poetry. Poetry is kind of the purview mm-hmm. of those who enjoy reading it. I mean, you're not going to sit there. I mean, maybe if you like the chick, you know, but that's not going to last very long after you marry her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was a nice touch that they added. They made them much more relatable. Like, it's like, okay, yeah, like, you're right, Tracy. I can see why she fell for him. Yeah. What about the backstory for Maurice and Belle's mom? I don't I didn't feel like it was necessary. Yeah, I I agree. I really didn't feel like it was necessary and I was like it didn't it didn't add anything to the story. It didn't make me think, "Oh, now I must feel sorry or I don't even feel like it improved their relationship or anything." So, and, and it kind of like the fact the twist they had with the rose, I was like that, that doesn't really do it for me. That doesn't Yeah, I did not like it that much. Yeah, I just, there was a moment when they, when they travel to Paris and visit her old home, which was probably one of the additions that I was like, eh, okay. Like I said, I liked most of the new original aspects, but that I was just kind of like, eh, but I was hoping that he was going to have a moment to be like, oh, this is what she grew up in. And I grew up in this huge palace and like, I, Mm -hmm. I've been so selfish and blah, blah, and have a moment of realization about how people live differently than him. And I was Mm -hmm. hoping he was going to have this deep, profound moment. And then he was like, Oh no, it's the plague. We need to get out of here. Oh, your mom died. My mom died. Right. 
like like they could have delved even deeper and i think that would have mm-hmm. made it more relevant but instead it was just kind of like oh yeah this happened which leads me to the question if he could go anywhere he wanted and and basically be there physically or at least in his imagination feel as though he's there physically through this book why didn't he just go back to his original palace the way it used to be and just hang out there for the rest of his life? like why was he even <laughs> you know like, that doesn't sound like punishment to me if you, yeah. can, if you if you are stuck in this world in this it's like the matrix right if you're stuck in this world but you can access a prettier one why would you spend much time in the gross one i just yeah the, their the, ex- <laughs> the explanation they had was like i'm the beast and i can't travel to these places like it you're right it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah i mean the whole point is that he's trapped yeah but you're saying if oh he's no not. he's not <laughs> He can go wherever Not he wants. Really. Not really. Yeah. Um, He's got a hologram to... in this book, you know? Yeah. Maybe we were supposed to see that books were, you know, a gateway to other things, which they certainly are. Right. Um, yeah. But I don't think that came across. No. So let's ta- let's delve into the big scary topic, the CGI and the costumes, <laughs> which I think are literally like completely separate things. The costumes, yeah. one thing. The CGI, eh, something else entirely. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I feel like the CGI took away from the movie. It it just, I mean, you could tell. You could tell things were CGI'd. And I just, you know, part of me is wondering, you know, maybe they should have done things like puppets. Like, what if the candlesticks were puppets instead? Maybe it would have been better. But the CGI just, I kept thinking that's CGI, that's CGI, that's CGI. And, you know, I remember the Jungle Book. The live-action Jungle Book. They did a fantastic job mm-hmm. with the animals. You weren't thinking CGI the entire time. And so it was like, I mean, this is this is where I went back to the original. I was like, oh, I remember these rooms being so much bigger and so much more impressive. And I, I, to be honest, I feel like the CGI really hurt the movie and did not really help as much. Overall, I didn't mind it. Like, the, I thought the objects were actually were well done there was one moment when the uh frou-frou the dog the footstool and he's he's like on his back as the footstool and like like sleeping like my dog does on his back and but he's a footstool anyways um (laughs) it was really cute so for the objects i didn't mind it it was just the beast and i don't know people like threw a hissy fit when the first picture of him came out like they did not like his design whatsoever i didn't have a problem with it i thought he looked great in still frame once i saw it on screen i it just didn't translate it and i don't know if it's because they were trying to make him look a bit more human and having a cgi humanoid character next to an actual human just didn't translate well. You know, we don't know. Well, they had that problem in Shrek, right? They had to actually dial back the human look of, oh, I'm going to forget her name. Fiona. Princess. <laughs> Fiona, thank you. They had actually had to dial back and make her look more animated because a real human, you know, yeah. a very well done human character didn't look that great next to Shrek. Yeah. So I could see that. I will say, as soon as I saw him, I was like, why do we have a satyr? <laughs> why, why is there a satyr in this movie? I don't understand. Oh, Actually, I, I went to, I was like, oh, this is Krumpus. We got Krumpus. Okay. <laughs> that yeah. also, that's, I, I can also see that one. Mm-hmm. I just, and I have, but the, for uh, different than you, Becky, I actually have the same problem with a lot of the objects. I disliked the painted face of Mrs. Potts. I really disliked Lumiere's like physical 
human looking face. And the one that really bugged me was the harpsichord because I was thinking you could just make the music stand look like mustachios. Mm-hmm. And we would get the impression of humanity from it. We don't need to see, you know, the eyebrows going up and down. I, I don't need that. I, I got a perfectly human feeling from, you know, the cartoon as well. I, I my favorite was Fru Fru, and I liked Garderobe as well because yeah. both of them they they didn't really need humanoid features in order for me to recognize that they were not what they seemed. But in the grand scheme of things, the I didn't I didn't necessarily think that the large vistas were bad even though they were CG. The ballroom was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> I melted. I was just like, "Can I go live there, please? <laughs> I want to live there." The yeah. gardens, the sculpture gardens, the the hedges that were trimmed back, beast looking out over as Belle is running through the the boxwood hedges and out towards the gate. I was just like, Oh my God, this is absolutely beautiful. And the actual town, and I'm going to forget the name of the town. It's named after the, after the author. It starts with a V, but I'm not going to pronounce it properly. I don't even Um, know. So (laughs) the town, I I was looking at this town and I'm like, I've been to Provence, France, actually Mm. where this is set. It looks like that. It actually like the town sitting on top of the hill. That's how they built their towns. They're mm-hmm. all of, and they still have them. These little medieval towns that look exactly like this mm-hmm. are up there with their arches and their little stone cobbled pathways through them. People are not allowed to drive cars. They park at the bottom of the mountain and walk up to get home. Wow. It's amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I, I'm sitting there like, I'm, I'm back in France. This actually <laughs> is, they did their research. Yeah. This is exactly, and I think it's hard as Americans to look at this and go, this has got to be fantasy. There's no way anywhere in the world looks like this anymore. And it does. It really, really does. So that I actually thought was quite well done. I will say that the town itself was probably one of the better done sets for me. I wasn't taken out of the moment. I wasn't going, that's CG, that's CG. I was like, no, I can can buy this as a town in France. I can totally see this. Yeah, this is where people live. This is their houses. They they Uh, did a good job there. What about costumes? specifically bells but we can branch out i mean the beast had some great costumes oops i shouldn't i shouldn't give you my point of view yet (laughs) no give Um, your point of view it's fine (laughs) um i was absolutely blown away by bell's costumes they were absolutely gorgeous the white dress with the flowers on it that she wore at the end i was like i'm getting married in a year (laughs) i want that dress like that is that is absolutely perfect I loved the outfit that she wears most of the time while she's in the town with the the sort of the white poofy blouse underneath the something of a jumper. I, I really and, and also, I mean, Gaston's costumes were on point. Yes. yes. Costumes, even even the costumes of everyone in the town. Agatha's costume was fin- was perfect for that time, you know, that rough time period and for her station in life. Just absolutely blown away. And of course, at the very, very beginning, the ball scene, the ball scene mm. um, <laughs> in the ballroom where all of the ladies are in their in their white gowns with their big poofy, you know, very French hair. And yeah. With the with the makeup, yes, it's so on point for the time period. I was like, yes, this is historically <laughs> so perfectly accurate. I'm so excited. I mean, even the very first moment when you see the brush kind of putting the the blue on, I was like, they researched it. They looked yeah. this up. This is actually what someone does. Because I mean, and that's one moment where I think they sort of didn't take American concurrent um, sensibilities into effect they or into account. They were just like, we're going to show what, what this type of ball would be like, which was really cool. I think it also has to do with, they don't want, 
one, they changed it so that he's not a 10-year-old boy at the time. <laughs> so when he yeah. gets cursed, which I really appreciated. But because <laughs> of that, because they're showing him in his adult prince form, if they hadn't given him that makeup and that over-the-top outfit, then the reveal at the end wouldn't have been as dramatic. dramatic. Yeah, we oh. see him in just plain clothes, no makeup, just just the guy. And... Yeah. And so and I think it was, hair. yeah. Gray hair at the end. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I was so excited. But I think I mean, they, I think they needed to make him over the top. And yes, it's historically accurate. But they also needed that to help the reveal at the end be more surprising, as surprising yeah. as it can be, because it can't be that surprising. We've all seen the end, right? We have seen it. Yeah, yeah. We, we what all did know you what think, Well, actually, I have to say, there's one thing that there's the. Um, when Belle's in getting dressed up and everything, and um, she's wearing that yellow dress, and then there's this earpiece she has. I oh. want it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, I really want that. Where, where, Disney, you need to make this for me. <laughs> it's so <laughs> modern, and I don't care. I loved it. I want it. Yeah, it was That's absolutely really, gorgeous. Really, the entire time I'm watching that scene, I'm like, where, where am I going to get that earpiece? I'm, you know what? We got to remember that piece of story. <laughs> that, and, you know, really the, the iconic scene from the original, uh, there were really, I guess, two. One is them having a snowball fight outside which oh, that's I, snow we, we were driving yeah as i was driving home i suddenly started cracking up in the car and kurt goes why are you laughing i'm like i'm just reliving the moment when the beast throws this massive snowball and knocks her flat <laughs> right her in the face it's right in the face because that's such a guy thing to do right yeah. oh, she oh, beat me with a snowball obviously i will just throw one right back not even <laughs> thinking hey she's tiny i'm very large Oh, um, so the red the red cape. I actually yes. had a yeah. child's puzzle when I was, I think, like six mm -hmm. or seven, and this is burned into my brain of yeah. them sort of building a. I think they were building a snowman together, and it. She's got um, her little red cape, and the yeah. the beast is in the snow. And I must have put that puzzle together dozens of times because, again, this was my favorite movie when I was a kid. And so there was. They did a great job with her cape. Yes, which is fairly simple, but they yeah. they knocked it out of the park. And then her big yellow ball gown and his blue suit during their solo dance in the ballroom. They, they nailed it. Yes. Nailed it. I, I really liked it. Yeah. See, I, I, I kind of have a different, different point. I didn't, it didn't. Cause I, like I said, I was comparing the original. I mean, they didn't have that sweeping scene from the original that I loved. And I just, it didn't feel as impressive to me. I just was like, Okay, they're dancing. It's a sweet moment. It just didn't really stand out to me like the original did. Well, unfortunately, I, I think part of part of it, not to say your feelings aren't valid, but part of it yeah. is in the original, they were just experimenting with computer animation at that time, and part yeah. of the appeal of the ballroom scene was they were using computers for the first time, and that's one of the things that made it so appealing and so magical at that time is because we hadn't seen anything in animation like that before. And so, yeah. so it's going to be hard to, hard to compare, hard to recreate that moment. Like we're never going to mm -hmm. get the magic of watching toy story back again because yeah. now everything yeah. is We've CGI. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but 
they were two very different ballrooms. So, well, I also missed Angela Lansbury singing <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast song, yeah. "Tale as Old as Time." I just, I, I missed her, and it just, I was, it just didn't feel the same. I'm not saying it's a horrible scene, but just it didn't have that wow factor. And I think, you know, Becky got a point. They, they really couldn't recreate that wow factor. Yeah, we've already seen cool. it once. So and, yeah. So I'd like to to touch on what you just said about like Angela Lansbury and the Beauty and the Beast, because this is part of the reason why I said I don't think it should have been a musical. Now I know, like I know um, Bill Condon, the director, Disney originally said, I don't think it should be a musical. And he said, no, it has to be a musical. Can you imagine doing this without Be Our Guest? And I mm-hmm. did not like, I liked Be Our Guest in this movie as an individual animated sequence. But mm-hmm. in the context of a live action photorealistic movie, it didn't work. You have no. theatrical lighting that you're trying to convince us is like the reflection off of pink champagne. And it just it was it was a great animated sequence in isolation. But did that poor girl eat a bite? No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was the one thing. Yeah. I'm like. Why are they taking the food away? Pudding? (laughs) Right. I mean, it just, you know, it would have worked if they had just like played the music in the background to be an homage to the original. I I did like when Maurice gets to the castle and the harpsichord is playing little, uh, playing some Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) or or not Beauty and the Beast, um, Be Our Guest, because I, I kind of felt like that was also an homage to the original because originally that song was supposed to be sung to Maurice, not to Belle oh. when he first gets to the castle in, yeah. in the animated, they had like animated it as Maurice. And then somebody said, don't you think that should be sung to Belle? So it was kind of like, Ooh, I wonder if they put that in there. It's kind of a, like a throwback, like a little for all huh, the Disney yeah, trivia yeah. nerds like me who know <laughs> shit like that. That was your Easter egg. That yep. was your Easter egg there. <laughs> you know, I get it. This is the first time I've heard this trivia. So, But I, I get singing it to Belle because the production itself is so massive. But it, the song itself makes more sense to be sung to Maurice because he is the first guest. Exactly. and Which is yeah. why it was originally done that way. So Interesting. But that is really <laughs> interesting and good to know. Yeah. So <laughs> let, let's do final thoughts. So Donnell, overall, we've talked a little bit about your first impressions. Leaving the theater, you were a little sad. What do you think now, a day later? Now, I, you know, I think Becky has a point. I think it should have not been a musical. I think it took away from a lot of those intense moments that you had in the original. So, I mean, that scene where Belle is having to decide who's going to stay there. Her or her father, and she's going to sacrifice herself. That that moment didn't have that intensity. And I also think the CG took away, because there were moments from the original where Belle touches the beast, and it's so tender. And I didn't... There were moments that Emma Watson, or her in the live action, were like, she was not touching the beast. And I think because... Now I think about it, I think the seat, because... Because there's like nothing to tender, touch. <laughs> yeah, so that tender moment when, when Belle, you know, the beast lets her go, so she, you're free, you can go, and she touches the beast, that moment was as, wasn't as tender. So, mm-hmm. sure, the CG was cool, you can't take that away from it, but I think if they hadn't made a musical, if they had done a little bit more, like, practical effects, I think it would have been a much better movie. Overall, not bad, it's okay, 
if I have to choose between which one to watch, it's going to be the cartoon. Mm -hmm. I would say that that's absolutely correct. So I do not think that this movie will ever replace the original. The cartoon was amazing. It was ahead of its time. I think that the the supporting cast was superb. It was pretty much spot on. I really enjoyed the diversity. I appreciated that they were able to take controversial topics, include them, and yet not throw them in the face of their audience. And I think that any controversy or boycotting is misplaced. And I think that the CG, as far as large vistas and locations, was really well done. And so was the costuming. But I don't think that they should have tried to be quite so human for the objects and for the beast. But overall, I really enjoyed it. I will be buying it, which, I mean, th- that means that it's at least a four star or above for me. <laughs> so what about you, Becky? Yeah, I mean, I'll probably be seeing it again. I am definitely going to be buying it. I just, my overall thing is I wanted something new. Live action and animation are two completely different mediums. Live action, Broadway stage shows, and animation, all completely different mediums, and I don't feel like they embraced the differences that live action live action affords. And mm-hmm. I expect a certain level of creativity and originality from Disney. And they stuck so closely to the animation that I didn't get that originality. I, I didn't get as much as I would have liked. I, I don't want to see a live action shot for shot remake, line for line remake of a classic animated movie. I want you to do something fresh. And I feel like by the end of the movie, they were getting there. But I feel like they just started off so similar that I couldn't forgive them for that. It's it's definitely a good movie. The animated is a classic. And yeah. and, and I'm probably being way more harsh on it just because it is a remake. And I'm part of me wonders like if I had seen the live action and not the animation animated movie, I don't know how people who have only seen the live action um, would take it. They probably think it's great, and it because it it is. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes, we're All just right, so we're think... just being nitpicky, <laughs> <laughs> right? And and I feel as though it makes for good conversation to disagree and to talk yeah. about the the elements that didn't work. But at the same time, as I have said on many uh, of movie review here on Therefore I Geek, that doesn't mean it wasn't a good movie. Exactly, it's just a good <laughs> conversation. So yes, I recommend that you go see it. There is a lot of magic in this movie. Yeah. Um, it really it really is beautiful. And I think I think we all do agree on that part. So that kind of does it for Beauty and the Beast. Let's talk about what we've been doing lately that was not Disney related or <laughs> only partially Disney related. Donna, what have you been to lately? I I finished up uh, Sailor Moon Crystal. Yep. I, I just I, I had to they do have season three out on Hulu, but it's it's all in Japanese, and I I can't do subtitles. Not not that I have anything in subtitles. I sit in a microscope all day, so my eyes are moving. So like reading <laughs> is so hard to do. I've been watching Legion, which is kind of I think uh, Fox's take, or they're trying to do something with X Men without being X Men because I don't think they have the rights to X Men anymore. <laughs> Let's see, I'm trying to think. Been listening to Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. Oh my god, it, it's it's a four hour podcast, but I'm stuck in a microscope for like my more than eight hour a day, so I have the time. But I am doing Blueprint um, to an Armageddon series, and nice, that's oh a good one. <laughs> like I I have to stop sometimes because 
because it gives you an appreciation for soldiers that what we literally put these people for, especially for the Great War, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what we did to these poor men. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah. So I'm a big podcaster or I listen to a lot of podcasts and um, I'm trying to think what else I'm into now. Oh, I discovered that um, brain, brain work. Um, X-Men, the animated series from the 90s on yes. Hulu. So me and dude are <laughs> going to be watching that. He has no choice. Right. <laughs> nice. So that's kind of what I've been into. And I've got more stuff I could say, but uh, if I go on too much, it's going to be so much longer. <laughs> All right. What have you been doing, Becky? Oh. Well, there's that one big thing that goes right. on every day. <laughs> well, yeah, we. I, I haven't had a lot of time to uh, be be doing much reading. Um, I've started rewatching Firefly, so you know I should be done with that Yay! in like you know a day because damn you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, doing a lot of baby stuff. We've yeah. been I've been working on our um, on our baby registry and filling it with all sorts of geeky things. Like, like geeky parent books or so they have like the baby books, like your first step, first tooth, whatever. And so I found this book on Amazon and it's like first cosplay, first time watching Star Wars or stuff like that. I'm like, that's the baby book we need. Um, and then they also are coming out uh somebody has written these these ridiculous baby board books but they look amazing and i registered for them all and they're like quantum physics for babies and aerospace engineering for babies and i'm like i just (laughs) i just want to fill up our baby book library with the most ridiculous things we can do Buddy. Yeah. Oh my god. So that's what oh, I've that, been up to. Yeah, yeah. That sounds so, like Andrew's kid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I have also been watching Sailor Moon Crystal in prep for a podcast on Sailor Moon in hopefully a couple of weeks. I just finished the first season and I'm I think two episodes into the second season. It's interesting. I think that I should have started this when I was like fifteen <laughs> and I would have gotten a little bit more out of it. But yeah. But so I'm doing that. I'm also reading a book, continuing to read a book called The Persian Puzzle. It's a history of U.S. relations with Iran, which is quite interesting. And this author, so Kenneth Pollack is the, is the author of this book, and he has an interesting take. So just about every other history that I've read about our relationship with Iran says that the big problem, the big breaking point was our overthrow of Mossadegh, of course, in the heyday of the CIA. But this book actually says that the the problem has actually happened primarily the real problems under Nixon and Kissinger when they spent more time in Vietnam and sort of left Iran to its own devices and allowed the Shah to have an open this was fun an open opportunity to buy whatever weapons from the US they wanted as long as it was not nuclear oh. which meant that and this this line was so great so the Shah started reading Jane's Defense Weekly as a catalog and I'm like <laughs> I can't believe this happened. So anyway, so I'm really enjoying that book. And I also just got a book on and I see I did this the last time I was on this podcast. I I just got a book on the oceans. And of course, I don't remember the name of it, but I'll throw it in the show notes. Um, That's quite interesting as well. Just talking about the current situation and what if anything we can do about it floating trash islands, coral reef death and that kind of thing. That's basically what I've been doing. Cool. All right, right, folks. Well, if you like what we do, 
please head on over to thereforeigeek.com. Check out our blog posts and podcasts and for other podcast episodes. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also find this podcast and other podcasts like it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now YouTube. So once again, I'm Tracy. I'm Becky. I'm Donnell. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.